Hello, and welcome to season two, episode 11 of the Fashion Law Network podcast. I'm your host, Kasia Zabroska-Trobin, a patent attorney and fashion enthusiast based in Los Angeles, California. Join me as I break down legal cases going on in the world of fashion today, discuss recent fashion news, and demystify patent law. I have a very special episode today as I'm joined by retail guru Nicole Ryla. Nicole is the founder and publisher of RetailMinded.com, which is a very popular publication for its leading retail insights. And she's also the author of the book, Retail 101, The Guide to Managing and Marketing Your Retail Business. Nicole has published thousands of articles for publications like Forbes and Entrepreneur, among lots of other business trade magazines. And she's the co-founder of the Independent Retailer Conference and has supported IBM as a retail futurist. Nicole is a really sought-after speaker to various retailer and industry leaders. She also contributes as an expert to a variety of media outlets, including The Today Show, CNBC, and lots more. So on this episode, Nicole and I will be discussing the various changes happening to holiday retail this season, how retail has transformed since the COVID pandemic, and the Shop Safe and Inform Consumer Acts, among lots of other topics. I had a really great time getting to know Nicole, and I actually have a copy of her Retail 101 book as a giveaway to the first listener who DMs me on my Instagram at PatentLawyerLA. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. So here we go with our discussion. Welcome to the Fashion Law Network podcast, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Of course. So first, let's start with your journey into the retail and fashion sector. Yeah, you know, I've been so fortunate because I've always had such an interest in the business of retail. Going back to when I was in high school, even I would drive an hour to work at Nordstrom's versus my local mall because I knew I could learn from what's considered one of the best retailers at the time and still is actually. So I've always had my roots, if you will, planted in the retail business and I've worked on both the retail and the wholesale side of the industry and founded retailminded.com nearly 14 years ago. Wow. And then you also have a really wonderful book called Retail 101. Can you tell me about what kind of prompted you to write that book and um, your kind of synopsis of your book? Yeah, absolutely. So Retail 101 offers what I refer to in the book as action steps at the conclusion of each chapter that provides retailers more of actual ways to do business versus just reading and learning. I really wanted to offer something that retailers could not only gain insight from, but then apply it into their own unique businesses. And there's a book out there also called Wholesale 101 that my buddy Jason Prescott had wrote and McGraw Hills, our publisher, and they were looking to fill that retail space. And so I was asked to do that. And I'm so grateful because it's um, really been an awesome roadmap for those people getting into retail or even existing already in retail to help them, you know, push their businesses forward. Great. And so what's your retail role now? I know you have a great website, retailminded.com. Yes. So retailminded.com offers for free news, education, and support for retail businesses. And it provides 
industry resources, um, actionable steps, just like the book does via weekly updates, blogs. We do offer a newsletter and of course our social media outlets, you can stay in touch too. Um, and then Retail Minded is also the publishing partner of a conference that I co-founded called the Independent Retailer Conference. And historically, so up until COVID, we were producing this twice a year in Las Vegas, holding it at the Las Vegas Convention Center on site during a trade show called ASD Market Week. So that's been really awesome because obviously retailers need to source inventory and ASD Market Week has, um, you know, again, historically over 40,000 attendees for a very diverse range of of inventories. So it's been nice because the Independent Retail Conference delivers education in real time with companies that include, let's say, Yelp and Lightspeed. And these are very important businesses within the retail category. We invite them to speak on our stage, to share their expertise. Uh, we have industry leaders. We do panels, discussions. It's just a dynamic way for retailers to gain, again, to learn. I'm constantly trying to encourage retailers to just boost their business businesses through ongoing education. Right. Now, I'm assuming these conferences are not happening right now with COVID. So do you guys do webinars or what kind of other measures do you take? Yeah, great question. So as we all know, COVID has radically impacted how the event business and the retail business in general has been happening. And so Correct. We are not producing any live physical experiences. We did this summer through Retail Minded produce an event called Action in Retail. So you can call that AIR for short, but Action in Retail. Again, going back to the core conversation that we started with, I, I truly believe we need to take action to help our businesses. And so that was great. It was a digital conference. We offered our experts from companies that included IBM, um, you know, again, we had Yelp and Lightspeed. We had such a diverse group of attendees. And it, I would say that the retailers who participated were able to experience, you know, chats and conversations, but also capture, you know, a lot of great valuable insight they could apply to the businesses. So we've definitely incorporated digital experiences, but in 2021, I would say look forward to some hybrid experiences. So a smaller scaled in-person opportunities in combination with that digital learning experience because you know everybody and every town and every community there's so many you know complex details to what 2021 will look like um, but i've always been such a such a huge advocate of in-person experiences both in the retail sense and the just general living ex you know community and being face to face so we don't want to see it go away we're just trying to nurture it throughout covid right now Right. So I guess you kind of already touched on this, but so some of the emerging, let's say, retail trends now that have appeared since COVID, obviously the rise of e-commerce. Is there anything else that you've kind of seen really stand out? Um, you know, I would say that among the best trends that I've seen is incorporating social selling direct from social media. I really love this because physical retailers are able to use video, push it into their social media feeds and sell inventory from their stores while traditional online sellers are also able to incorporate this into their strategy. There's an app called um, Comment Sold, and that's a really cool application that allows you to leverage this technology into your social media selling. And these are the types of things that I've really loved seeing through the COVID experience because businesses have had to go full force in accelerating the future of retail. And consumers are reacting 
it. Consumers want to be engaged, so that shoppertainment component is really important despite the challenges of COVID. Consumers still want to feel like they're being informed, entertained, and shoppertainment is very possible despite the challenges of that physical or lack of physical experience. So comment sold has been one of my favorite things that's really come to life. It's, it already existed, but it's coming more to life throughout this experience. Interesting. And then what are some new technologies that retailers are using now? So in addition to comment sold being one of the technologies that I would say is a, is a great addition to retail operations, um, I would also say that there are a lot more in the payment category. So for example, consumers have to think about, well, how am I paying for everything? Not just during COVID, but in general. A lot of people want mobile, no touch or touch free experiences. And they also want to consider, well, how can I buy this without putting it on credit? Maybe they just don't want to build up that credit. Plus let's consider generations also want to shift. They have a history of not using as much credit. Okay, so now that we've explored the various ways that retail has been changing with new technologies and other changes in response to the pandemic, let's discuss what we can expect for this year's holiday shopping season. And just by way of comparison, according to research performed by MasterCard Spending Pulse, it was reported that holiday sales rose 3.4% last year in 2019, and consumer confidence was high due to a very low unemployment rate at that time. Obviously, we're in a very different situation now. So what do you think we can expect for this holiday season? You know, I think that this holiday will certainly be different than any other holiday. There's a lot of encouragement for people to stay home, to stay close to immediate family only. Um, All of that will bring a decline in spending patterns that traditionally we would have seen, such as um, going to outdoor markets. You know, a lot of cities provide these great holiday festive experiences that include retail, right? Um, Of course, just those gatherings. Some families have traditions of going places for the day, you know, maybe a lunch and a theater, which of course isn't happening now either in most places, and then extending that into shopping. So I think generally speaking, we're going to see changes. That said, the opportunity to still go to environments that include physical experiences are there. In fact, there's a um, reservation system that's now available. A lot of retailers are implementing, particularly in urban environments, where you can reserve a time to shop so that you have the opportunity to still do the things that you want to do, but do it in a more safe fashion, if you will. So it's going to be different. I definitely think that, although I know the NRF we had discussed earlier mentioned a rise, potential 5% almost rise in consumer spending habits this holiday season, I do think it's probably gonna be a little bit more neutral to what it was last year. I don't think we're gonna see a huge increase. Okay. And I've noticed that the Black Friday sales have started pretty early this year. Have you seen that customers have started to shop earlier than usual, or is this kind of what happens? Absolutely. Consumers are spending their dollars in different ways than they have as well. In other words, they're saying, listen, I need to make sure I can afford to, you know, buy the presents and do the things that I want to. So I'm going to start shopping earlier, budget accordingly. And Black Friday is no longer just a day. It really is a collective experience of discount savings and promotional opportunities. And I think that retailers, you know, over the years have already extended 
Black Friday, but more so than ever this year, we've seen it cross a lot of boundaries. You know, as early, as late as October and as early as early November, we were seeing opportunities in that Black Friday space. Yes, exactly. And also your Retail 101 book has an interesting figure that 81% of shoppers bought a holiday gift card. Do you still see this happening? Oh, absolutely. I think um, particularly for retailers that depend on those in-person experiences, like let's look at Build-A-Bear, for example. You know, that's a retailer that anchors a lot of malls, and that is definitely an experience-based opportunity, right? So they don't want to miss out on holiday sales. Offering a gift card allows them to still capture dollars and then deliver on that experience at a later date. So I definitely think we're going to see gift cards. Um, I also think gift cards, quite frankly, are easy to purchase online and sent directly to whoever you want to give it to. So that helps, you know, those people wanting to give gifts do so without the complications of having to like physically go somewhere to buy that. Right. It's much easier. And then your book also mentions the American Express Small Business Saturday, which is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So that's coming up in a few days. Can you tell us what that's all about? Absolutely. So generally speaking, Small Business Saturday is intended to kick off the holiday season. It's a celebratory day to rally around those small businesses that make up your community, your local main street, so to speak, and really anchor the holiday season with saying, hey, we value you, we support you, we're going to spend with you most importantly. And it's a cause for celebration because truly, as I think consumers more so than ever during this pandemic, we've recognized that it is in fact the small businesses that bring our communities to life. You know, these are the businesses that when you have a sports team that you want to have sponsored, for example, you go to them to ask for them to sponsor it, or they're the ones that you might know the owner's name because their kid might be in the same class as your own kid. So they have some really unique things to their benefit. Um, and we as consumers really need to support them all year round. But Small Business Saturday is a day designed to really applaud them, celebrate them, and of course, give back by shopping with them. Great. Yeah, I'll definitely be going to my local mall here this weekend. Um, and then another thing that I've noticed is a lot of kind of online only small boutiques lately, like jewelry and clothing stores, especially with no storefronts, obviously, in addition to the large online ones like ShopBop and Revolve. Do you think this is just a trend or is it going to continue? I think it'll continue. I think there's going to be definitely some change in the market. I think we're going to see a lot of pop-up stores, a lot of temporary experiences. The traditional mass merchant like targets will remain, but we're going to start to see smaller scaled experiences, both in a temporary way and a smaller footprint way. So as we look ahead into 2021, I think that we need to brace ourselves for just simple change for, for the reality of how survival of the fittest, if you will. And that is a, you know, I, I I say that and I pause to say it because we want to see all the brands we love survive, but as consumers, we're the one choosing who will by where we spend our dollars. So that includes whether it's at a local business or a bigger business and so forth. So I think 2021 will just show a lot of different experiences and we have a lot to look forward to. I think that that is not necessarily a bad thing. Right, exactly. I agree. And then there's been a few reports by these really big luxury online platforms that seem to conclude that luxury shopping has permanently moved online. And 
I guess maybe I'm old fashioned, but I'm of the mindset that consumers still want to go into physical stores, especially for the high ticket items. What, what are your thoughts on this? It's funny, I had a friend recently share a post on her Instagram story. She had made a luxury purchase online. Mm -hmm. And when it was delivered, it was certainly not a luxury experience. It was in a brown box. When she opened it, it was in a plastic, clear plastic bag. There was no special sentiment to it that brought luxury, right, to that right. experience. And she pointed that out. And I think that as consumers, we you know, we expect what we have grown to expect, but moving forward, we're going to have higher expectations. And in the luxury market in particular, I think consumers are going to really look forward to getting back to the in-store experience where they can be serviced, they can be catered, they can feel that rise above of normal expectation and, you know, the dollars that they're spending for whatever it is they're spending on are partly spent because of those experiences. Exactly. I agree with that. Um, okay, so now let's switch gears a little and talk about the Shop Safe and the Informed Consumer Act. And I'll just give a quick brief synopsis of the bill here. But if anyone wants to learn about the details of these acts, uh, please go back to episode five of season two of my podcast series and listen to the episode titled Retail Climate Change Part Three, which is where I analyze these acts in depth. So first we have the bipartisan bill titled the Shop Safe Act, which was introduced um, at the beginning of March of 2020, and it's currently pending before the House. The full title of this bill is Stopping Harmful Offers on Platforms by Screening Against Fakes in E-Commerce Act of 2020, but it's been called the Shop Safe Act for short. And this act is pretty important considering how the growth of e-commerce has unfortunately also shown a major rise of counterfeit goods sold online. And then the other related bill is titled the Integrity Notification and Fairness in Online Retail Marketplaces for Consumers Act, or also known as the Inform Consumers Act for short. And this bill was introduced on March 10th, a few days after the first one. And it would basically require online marketplaces to disclose certain verified information regarding high volume third-party sellers of consumer products. Now, I know that you're familiar with these acts, Nicole. Do you feel like sellers are concerned about these or what do you think their thoughts would be on these two new acts coming up? I think sellers should be concerned because if you're in the right, meaning you're doing what you should, you're communicating transparency to your customers about where you're sourcing your products, the authenticity of your products, then being in the right also means you want people who might not be as revealing to be shown, right? Because a lot of consumers mis are very easily mistaken for quality of product and quality of reputation and quality of sourcing. So I think anything that brings transparency is a good thing. I really do. So I think that, you know, sellers are definitely actively trying to understand what is this going to look like? How will this impact my business? How can I benefit from it? How might it hurt me? You know, they need to be aware to both look at all sides of the equation of how that might help or hurt their own business. Right. And then another interesting part I really liked in your book was about how important it is for retailers to know their state and national legislative um, decisions regarding retail law and to connect with their local associations. Can you tell us a little more about this part? 
Yeah, I think that local associations and state level associations are so valuable for businesses because that's where you benefit from a tax perspective. You gain clarity on what that looks like. Um, you, you are introduced to resources that are more specific to your own community. And you know, these details are extremely important in how you benefit or how it benefits your business. If you are not paying attention to these details, you miss opportunity. And I think that's the main takeaway here. So I always tell retailers, get involved on a local level and on a state level, because you wanna make sure you're optimizing your business from every angle. And absolutely that includes the fine print details, the logistics, the legislation, the things that are going to influence your overall brand. Right. I know the local chamber of commerce has been a pretty good source for a lot of uh, retailers, at least here in my town of Pacific Palisades, Los Angeles. Absolutely. And then Nicole, you also mentioned that you're going to be doing an update to your current book, Retail 101. Can you tell us about that? And then also your new book that you have coming out also. Yeah, so Retail 101, um, it's, you know, it's ready for an update because let's face it, commerce changes. There's a lot of very um, I guess, longevity within that book and a lot of action steps that you can still provide and benefit from. But even with this pandemic having taken place, I think what we've realized is that change happens, right? And it happens often unexpectedly. And so I look forward to bringing a new Retail 101 to life, an updated version. And then I have another book I'm real excited about coming out with my daughter. It's actually a bit of a passion project, but also a business. And it's called Shadow Siblings. And that will be released in February of 2021. So it's near and dear to our hearts. It's been trademarked. We've done all that good legal stuff. So I know as an attorney, you can appreciate that. Yep, that's great. (laughs) Basically tells the story of what it's like to have a sibling who is challenged, disabled, or simply different than other people. And in our own family, we have that. So it's a story that will resonate with a lot of different hearts. And I think a lot of Um, sentiment will come from it. Again, it's a children's book. So it's a bit different than what I've done all these years. But again, it's also a passion project. And I think one that can benefit many. Exactly. And then can you tell my listeners how they can find you on social media and your website in case they want some more information regarding your businesses? And you have some really great articles on your website too, that I've read recently. Thank you. So you can always go to retailminded.com. I'd encourage you to sign up for our newsletter, which we don't over spam. It's really only about once a month or every other week at most. And then you can find me on Instagram at the handle retailmindedworld. And on Twitter, you can find me at retailminded. So I'm just always sharing updates there. Of course, I'm on LinkedIn and everything as well. Okay, Nicole, thank you so much for joining me. And I hope we get to catch up again soon. I do too. It was so wonderful talking. Keep doing everything you're doing. I love it. Thank you. So that concludes this episode. I hope you have a wonderful holiday weekend and please stay tuned next Tuesday for my next episode. Have a wonderful day. Bye.